uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to continue looking into the book of James today. Uh, still an introduction. We are going to look at the person of James and some of the historical facts that we see in the scriptures and kind of correlate it. As we do this, we'll also be able to see a little bit of the timing of when the book of James could have been written. Uh, of course, it's not dated, and there is speculation as, you know, when you get into the, the, the higher critics, it could have been written into the second century sometime. Uh, I think it's going to be written. Well, let's do it. I'll give you a real quick rundown. Jesus is going to be crucified and resurrected 30 A.D. Oh, as far as notes, oh, you got, yeah, you got the notes from last week. That would be useful that I added some more to it. But also, I bought a, a new uh, uh, cartridge uh, to put a new, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Ink. Ink, ink. And I ordered it, and I, what I ended up doing was ordering a new drum, which I last thing I ordered on Amazon was a drum, so I just went back and ordered, I thought was more ink, and it ended up being, we opened up the day we needed it, so open opened up, put in the new ink, it was a new drum again, so I don't have any notes. But the good news is, if you go on generationword.com, and at the top there, you got your live feed. Right below it, it says just notes. Click on that. That's the exact notes that they're online. So anyway, 30 A.D., uh, Jesus is crucified, resurrected. Then as we go through, we're going to get by, by 35 A.D., that's when the, that's during this time period, uh, you've got Christianity in Jerusalem between 30 and 35 A.D. It's growing. Uh, you can read in the book of Acts about you know the church growing, meeting in Solomon's colonnade. Uh, people didn't dare join them unless they were believers. A lot of things happening. Uh, churches spreading outside. You know they're not really going to the Gentiles, but it is spreading. In 35 A.D., persecution against Stephen uh, ends up in his martyrdom, and Paul, or we'll say Saul, was in charge of that, uh, and the great persecution broke out. So in 35 A.D. Uh, you're going to have uh, Christianity coming out of Jerusalem is fleeing. It's spreading. It goes to the northern coast of Africa. Uh, it ends up from there uh, going up into Antioch, up in Syria, so north of Israel, uh, in the Syria area. That, that's going to be a lot of Jews are fleeing up there. It's, it's by land. They're fleeing as believers. And churches are starting, and Gentiles are joining them. Uh, it is at that same time that Paul is saved, around 35 A.D., because he heads right out to go up to Damascus, where there are churches in Damascus, which would be Syria, uh, south of Antioch. And there, uh, you know, Paul's saved, has the, you know, the Lord meets him on the road to Damascus. And then Paul spends the next three years in uh, Arabia, which is an interesting concept, which appears to be going down south into uh where we'd say Saudi Arabia today, and we, that's another whole discussion of where that location's at. And so Paul is uh, either studying, getting references, re reflecting, you know, contemplating, uh, but it seems like he's kind of regrouping. He comes back to Damascus in 38 AD, and it's at that time in 38 AD that he's going to go to Jerusalem. And this is his first time in Jerusalem as a believer. Three years after having Stephen stoned, he's in Jerusalem. Now this whole time between 30 and 38 AD, James has risen as the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He has been, uh, he was there in the room of the uh, day of Pentecost, the upper room. He was there making dis decisions. Uh, he's moved into a place of leadership. Uh, seems to have in, in, embraced himself in the teachings of Jesus. He wasn't a uh, follower of Jesus during Jesus' ministry, uh, but we're, we've got a verse we can look at it again today. It's after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Peter and appears to these people, 500, but he also appears to James. Now there's a question there uh, that I've got because Jesus only appear, uh, seems to appear to believers after his resurrection. He doesn't go you know, drop in on Herod and go, boo, you, you should have listened to me. Uh, if he did, we don't have a record of that. Or going to Pilate, it's like, you know, you, what, your wife was right, don't mess with me. You don't have that kind of a, a scenario where he's going around and a bunch of unbelievers are coming to Christ because he scared them. Uh, not that he could have done that. I it just doesn't. It seems, as we read the biblical account, that he appears to Peter, uh, the, the 500 believers, he appears to, and then James. Now there's that question, was James, it's easy to say, James wasn't a believer until after the resurrection. And then Jesus appears to him, and of course James becomes a believer, which would be putting James in that same category of Herod and Pilate and James, the unbeliever, and boom, he becomes a believer. 
So then you got to kind of wonder, I, again, I'm just speculating here, the Bible is not clear, did James become a believer towards the end of Jesus' ministry? It says that after his resurrection, I mean, did they hear the reports and start, ref, you know, making, you know, some assumptions, uh, putting pieces together and recognize it? Where did James become a believer? Somewhere after the resurrection, uh, maybe at the appearance he had when Jesus appeared to him, but then that's kind of touching on that area where he's appearing to unbelievers, convincing them to believe, which again, maybe that's what happened. But James is a believer this whole time. So you had about eight years of James being a believer. Paul comes down to Jerusalem and the believers won't have anything to do with him because they think maybe he's, you know, an undercover FBI agent at the Capitol, you know, trying to march on, you know, January 6th or something. So they won't have anything to do with him like it's a trap or something. And so Barnabas comes alongside of him and introduces him and uh into the church of course Barnabas was a great leader in the church along with james at that time he hadn't begun traveling yet so paul meets with the meets with the church in jerusalem the apostles and james so paul is with james in 38 a.d so we've got this connection right there and this is going to become important as the book develops because throughout church history especially with the, the, the martin luther and the reformation is they want to put this on polar opposites paul is saved by grace james is saved by works and that's not what 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 james is saying at all in fact paul and james are exactly the same the, the not even opposite sides of the same coin they're virtually saying the same thing and we'll see that as we get it so this is important that james knows paul in 38 a.d now this is going to continue uh Paul is going to go up to, uh, Barnabas is going to go up to, uh, it's going to be like uh, 43 A.D. Uh, this, is, this is kind of an estimate right here. Paul goes, leaves Jerusalem in 30 A.D. after meeting with the apostles and goes up and starts preaching in the Galatia area, just kind of going off on his own, like he started his own ministry and going up to Tarshish's hometown area in that appears and begins to preach for about a five-year period. Barnabas comes from Jerusalem up to Antioch, which is in Syria, and that's where the whole Galatians book's all going to take place. That's going to become Paul's home church. And when he gets there, he realizes the church needs teaching. And he says the best place to get teaching is, is Paul, so he goes in search of Paul and finds Paul. Now again, you, you'd love to know more details. Where was Paul at? How hard was he to find? And he couldn't just Google him, look him up on Facebook. I mean, where is he at? And then was Paul's in the middle of a ministry somewhere, and Barnabas said, hey, we need you to come to this church. Something like that happened. He goes and he finds Paul. Was Paul just, you know, out making tent somewhere, just kind of giving up? I don't think so. Uh, and he comes in, in 43, Paul begins to preach in the church of Antioch. Now, in, in line with all these things that are taking place, Antioch, uh, in, in 43 AD, Herod Agrippa in Jerusalem, Herod Agrippa I is going to die. He's the one who killed James, the apostle John's brother. He's going to die. That's recorded in Scripture. Uh, 48 AD is going to be the Jerusalem Council, where it's so necessary for the, the Antioch Gentiles and, the, and, and Paul to come down to Jerusalem and actually, they're getting permission, if you want to say it this way, they're getting approval from James. Uh, James is at the top of the stack in Jerusalem. He is like the bishop. You know, there's Peter's under him, but Peter's traveling. John, apparently still living this whole time, is living there in Jerusalem with Mary. John doesn't really, he goes up to Samaria a little bit, uh, you know, uh, early on. And then you don't really hear much about John until he's writing from Ephesus. So there's this whole time period John is a fairly young man, uh, you know, he's involved, we would assume, but you don't hear much about John. But anyway, in 48 AD, Barnabas and, and Paul are sent by the Antioch church. They go down and to con con it's like, ask questions. It's a church council. Who's right? We've got two different opinions, and Paul could probably understand the other side, the, the Pharisee side. Uh, he rejects it. He knows what he believes, but there are those that are kind of caught in the middle, like we just got in with the book of Hebrews. I mean, how close to the law are we going to go? Now, you're not going to see James in this, and this is going to be an issue in the book. How close is James to the law of Moses? He's going to talk about, throughout the book, I'm going to try to read it today, he's going to talk about the law of freedom. He's continually talking about the law. He's continu and, and again, when is James written? I'm going to put it right around here, sometime between 
43, say 43, say 43 to 45 A.D. That's going to be my speculation when the book of James is written, and, and for several reasons. One, he's not contradicting Paul. Some want to say, well, this is, this is James arguing with Paul. This is his, the counter-Pauline theology. The problem with that is, like we said, they met in 38 A.D., they're going to have the Jerusalem Council in 48 A.D., and everybody's going to, James is going to write the letter of approval. I mean, he's, it's like, there's no conflict. There's, get this out of your mind. There's no conflict. You don't, I mean, I'm telling you what to do. What I want to say is, as you consider this, the right conclusion is, there's no conflict with Paul and James. Because they've already met. They're going to have the 48 A.D. Jerusalem Council. Uh, they're going to get back together. James is going to, Paul is going to bring money down to the church in 57 A.D. Remember when he gathers the money from the Gentiles? That's coming out of Corinth. And he's going to meet with James and give him the money. What you see uh, James doing, he's very, and, and church history records it. You can see it here. And, and scripture's got to support anything we say about James. Uh, he's, very, he's known as James the Just in church history or James the Pious. He's very uh, good. He's very obedient. He's very diligent to follow the Lord. In the book of James, he talks about the law, but the law never spins off as a ritual. He never spins off as, so go to the temple. Go celebrate the feast. Uh, there's no mention of circumcision, 48 A.D. Circumcision was the big issue. So one of the thing, reasons I'm going to say it's, not, it's before 48 A.D., again, we're not sure, is because he doesn't mention any of the issues that arise out of the Antioch church, and the, which are resolved in the Jerusalem council. He's writing before those things, and he's writing before Paul's uh, Paulinian theology, in a sense, has spread. He doesn't use Paul's terms. I'm going to show you. He, he uses wisdom, and it's almost like the same way that Paul uses the word spirit. He's going to be talking about the poor and the rich and the conflict between the poor and the rich. He's going to be talking about the law and being observant. Uh, if you've got faith, surely you're going to be obedient. You're going to do these things. So he's, he's, that's almost like the result of salvation. It's almost like the fruit. You should be doing these things if you're, if you're saved, if you've come to faith. Faith without works is dead, which is exactly what Paul would say. If you've got faith, but you're not producing the, you know, the whole book of Galatians is, is spiritual fruit. You're saved. You should start be growing. So James is going to talk about Torah in the sense of law, but that is always going to manifest as action, or we could say social justice. Whoa, be careful. Don't go with the buzz. But it meaning if you're going to treat people right, you've got a rich and the poor coming to your church. Don't say, oh, oh, uh, you're rich, sit here, the poor can sit on the floor somewhere. It's like, wait, 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 you're, you're evil with evil intentions. You're thinking like the world. Oh, this person can benefit me in the world. This person has nothing to offer. He says, now you become evil judges. He says, you're looking at it just like the world, and, and, he's, and he's talking about, and see, that's, that's Torah. Now, when we think of Jewish law, we think of the law of Moses, we think of Torah, we think, oh, well, they're all just in these rituals. Remember, Jesus came, and he, he fulfilled the law. He explained the Torah. They had reduced it to these rituals, and God, God established them that they were to guide them, keep them on track, identify sin. You know, there's you know, forgiveness. There's got to be some kind of propitiation for sin. That's all. But it was all to teach you this bigger picture of application in life. And that's what the prophets got. You, you, you realize the prophets, think about the prophets. Did they ever chew the people out, or if they did, it wasn't very often, for not going to the temple and offering the sacrifices, for not going and, and, and doing all the rituals, not keeping the feasts. Sometimes when they got into paganism, they just abandoned the whole system. But the prophets come and say, I'm, I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your temple. I need, I need you to be just. I need you to show mercy. I need you to, to make good decisions. I need you to think bigger than just these rituals. I need you to take on... What Torah was revealing was God's nature. You're supposed to take on God's nature. And the prophets would chew them out, not because, well, you're not being ritual enough. I mean, we're talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah. 
it was like your social sins. You're, you're abusing each other. The rich are opposing the, 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 the poor. The poor are living in a way that is, is violent. It, it, it's, and so James is going to be very observant of the law, but not in a sense of ritual, uh, uh, legalistic way. And so that's going to be important because James, as history goes, because he was in Jerusalem and he stayed in the temple and he's continued to follow the law. In fact, he's the one that suggests to Paul. When Paul comes in 57, why don't you go up and, and uh, pay the price for you guys to take a vow? And all the Jews will know, hey, you're not against Torah. You're not against the law. You're, you're observant. And, and, and Paul went ahead and did that. So there you've got Paul up on the Temple Mount, now, nothing worked out that day. It turned into a riot, and Paul got arrested. So it didn't result in what James intended or what Paul intended. It all just fell apart, uh, and Paul ends up in prison for five years. So he wasn't, he wasn't like running from the temple, but he was definitely looking at something bigger than the temple. Now, again, we're talking 48 A.D. Now, remember, we just got done reading Hebrews in 63 A.D., and it's pretty sharp in Hebrews uh, that you need to make a decision. Are you going to be old covenant or are you going to be new covenant? You don't, you don't need the priesthood. You don't need the sacrifice because you've got a new priest, a better priest, a better sacrifice, a better covenant with better promises. You don't need this. Move on to the new. In other words, there's an absolute get rid of this and go to the new. And that matches Jesus' teaching, the, the new wine and old wineskins. You're going to have to just get rid of this and go here. James was in that transition, and you can see why it's going to take some time for them to break out of it. and with the destruction of the temple in 70 a.d i mean that issue's over i mean you 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 can't go off for a second there's no because even if you did you were wrong because you could only offer the jewish sacrifices on the temple mount you had to be in the temple on the temple mount or in the precinct there you couldn't just go well let's do it in our backyard uh, you that would be a that would be a high place that'd be going into paganism so all this has taken place or i'm saying all this that James is being written 43 to 45 A.D., I'm thinking, before the Jerusalem Council. Now, this is something you can think about and make your own decision. It's before the circumcision issue comes up out of Antioch. Uh, in fact, I, can, I think we can see in, uh, what is, I've got it written down, make sure I got this right. Yeah, it's going to be right around 46 to 47 A.D. This is getting all scribbly here. That is when the conflict is going to break out. Paul is going to start preaching in Antioch in 43 AD. They're going to go out on their first missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas. They're going to come back. And by that time, some teachers from Jerusalem had come up saying they're from James and that they began to enforce the law of Moses. So you've got that verse in Galatians now where and we're going to look at that here. Right here, these verses here, that the people from uh, Jerusalem came up while Paul was gone into Antioch church. Everything was up and running. They'd sent missionaries out. And when they get there, they say, well, let's, let's look in Galatians. Galatians, just look at these verses here. Because Paul's now writing uh, the book of Galatians. And a good date for Galatians is right around 48 A.D. Um coming right out of the Jerusalem Council, because that was the issue. So James is going to write a letter, and now Paul is going to write a letter to the, all the Galatian churches, uh, which would include like Antioch and North, and the, 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 the Pharisees or the legalistic Christians. Now, these people are believers, but they're holding to the law. They ha- they, they're still trusting the law. They've accepted Jesus. So that's, it's, they've got some kind of acceptance of Christ. They're in the church, but they're still pushing the law. They want the, Christ, the Gentiles to become Jews as far as, you know, uh, following the law. And they've not just come to the Antioch church. They've gone to all the churches of Galatia. And so Paul now is going to write the letter. And uh, here, here Galatians, book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent, now again, this is, this is a heated letter, sent not from men nor by man, meaning I'm not sent by James. I'm not sent by the apostles. I didn't get permission. I didn't go to Bible school. Uh, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Men then send me Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now we all can say, I can say, well, I was sent by God. Yes, okay, that's nice. But Paul can definitely say it. He got knocked off the horse, the blind light. It's like he's sent by Jesus Christ. I mean, I like to, I like to say, well, Jesus sent me, but I can tell you I have no, had no direct encounter with the Lord 
sweeping me into heaven saying, go thou and preach the truth. You know, it's like I felt called, whatever, like we all, but Paul can definitely say, uh, man did not send me, Jesus did. And I can say the same thing, man didn't send me, Jesus did. Okay, sure, Galen, whatever. Uh, it'd be like nice to have some men on your side, though, <laughs> uh, if you're going to be teaching the Bible. Anyway, uh, it goes through and says all these things. Chapter uh, 1, verse 6, he says, I am astonished, this is how he starts the letter, after introduction, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And that f- word for different gospel is not, well, there's two choices, there's A or B, pretty much the same. It's like you're turning to a different gospel, which is not a gospel at all. It, it means a different of another kind. I mean, there's only one gospel. You can present, you know, the gospel, you know, a variety of ways. You can approach it by God is graceful and merciful, or God is the judge. You can talk about, you know, you got to have confess your sins. You can be forgiven. There's a way, you know, many aspects of the gospel that you can approach it with, but they're approaching it not this gospel from mercy or from judgment or from grace or from, uh, you know, confessing your sins. They're talking about a gospel that has nothing to do with this gospel at all. And so that's what's come in, and he goes on and says, if any an angel from heaven were to come and preach it, uh, well, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, anathema. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one, other than what we, you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. And so that is, that's verse 9. We're going to get into these verses. Someone has come into the Antioch church and all the Galatian churches and started preaching a gospel that's not the gospel. And Paul's saying, if you're one of these people or if they're in there preaching right now, they're going to hell. He says, I am, I am condemning them to hell. Not that Paul's got the authority to do that, but basically saying, I'm identifying the fact that you are satanic. You are on the wrong side. You are presenting a demonic gospel and you're going to hell. And that's, what he, that's, that's Paul's approach to this group right here now verse uh chapter 1 verse 18 then after three years uh, we talk about 35 about 38 a.d paul says after three years i went up to jerusalem to get acquainted with peter and stayed with him for 15 days so can you imagine paul the pharisee the former persecutor of the church staying in peter's house in Jerusalem, he's got some kind of place, he's in an apartment, wherever he's staying, with Peter for 15 days. I mean, it sounds like he's not just like getting coffee with him, but I brought my bags in and stayed at Peter's house. Can you imagine Peter and Paul, I mean, just the, the fishermen and the, the rabbi interacting, but they've got, just like we always talk about in Colossians, but they're unified. How can they be unified? Because they're, they're, they're moving towards Christ. Their, their unity is not Peter and Paul, their unity is Paul is moving towards Christ. Peter's moving towards Christ. And that's Christian unity. It's not like, oh, we agree. It's like, no, we all agree where we're going. We're all, we're all going this way. Now, we may be completely different, but it's like, hey, we're, we're in unity because we're going this way. Once you take Christ out, you have no Christian unity. You have all these churches with little banners up, you know, rainbow signs and peace signs and, you know, world peace, you know, global warming day, whatever. And it's like, uh, they're not unified in Christ. They're unified in a social mission, which is going to divide them and lead to disaster. But you can take all these people from all these different groups, and if they all say, we are following Christ, we're going to become Christ, we're looking at Christ through the word, through the spirit, I mean, true reality. Well, you can be anywhere. There's no longer male or female, Jew or Gentile, slave. It's like we're all, all one in Christ. We're all unified. You take Christ out, you've got to have some fake pseudo-unity. That's going to blow up in your face. Um, okay. Okay, uh, 15 days with Peter. And stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. In other words, he goes to Jerusalem and he meets with Peter for 15 days. Now he's going to get a, Peter's first-hand information. You've got to believe that Paul is there probably sharing his, his experience, his insight, but he's also like getting firsthand information, you know, the, the gospel firsthand from Peter of what took place during those three years. Um, and Paul can talk about later on what was handed, what, what I received, talks to Corinthians, I gave to you. What, I, what was handed to me, 
I handed down to you. And that's a, 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 a rabbinic phrase in Corinthians there of the oral teaching. What was taught to you from the elders, you now are going to teach the next generation. And Paul says, what I received. I now, Paul talks about no man sent me. So I've got this insight. But he also talks about, oh, but I'd also have the stuff that was handed to me. That would be what you could call the Jesus tradition. I mean, it's, it's what the gospel, it's, it's be, it was eventually written down, but it's like these are the guys that are talking. That's why the apostles were there, so they could see firsthand what was going on. Okay, so he sees James there and, and, and uh, Peter and no one else. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches, and that's when he's meeting with them uh, for that first time uh, Barnabas is introducing him. Chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, chapter 2 verse 1 14 years later i went up again to jerusalem this time with barnabas this now is 48 a.d that's why you can kind of date that 48 a.d jerusalem council minus 14 years and now you're back to that first encounter right there right in that time period i went up again to jerusalem now we're going to go we're going to talk about this right here we're going to talk about this here in acts 15 this is when he first this is you know 35 38 you know 38 a.d right around there, and then 48 A.D., right around that time, he's going to come in here and have the Jerusalem Council. This time with Barnabas, I took Titus along, I went up to, in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I mean, there are, should he be preaching the gospel without the law? Uh, and he goes through and talks about that. I, I'm looking for verse, verse 9. Uh, for God, I'm in verse 8 of chapter 2. For, you see, I've got to hustle. I'm going to read the whole book of Galatians to you. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. Verse 9. James, Peter, and John. There's John. Those reputed to be pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. So right there, what Paul is presenting at the Jerusalem Council what I believe, what I preach, what the Gentiles are receiving, what the Spirit of God is coming on the Gentiles after they've received, he presents that very clearly to Peter, John, and James, and they all say, "That's you're right. The right they, they signed on to his doctrine. They, they, they welcomed him to the club. Paul, Paul has got their permission to preach. So right there, that, that kind of a verse really undermines, there, there's no conflict between James and Paul. Even though Martin Luther says, there's a conflict, or sometime in church they say, ah, those guys are, they're competing. It's like, this right, Paul is saying, absolutely not. I, I explained exactly what I, what, I, what I did. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the Jews, and they asked, all they asked was that we should continue, watch this, look at this next line, and when we read the book of James, you're going to realize, oh my gosh, this is totally James right here. And they asked me that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now, when you read James, that's James is that's paramount to James, because the poor in the book of James are not just they they are financially or socially poor, but they are the ones that have embraced Christ and have been driven out of society. And so it's not just poor is not just poor. Again, you can say. The homeless, the poor, all needs to be considered. Uh, but in James's book, he always talks about, it's like, look out for the rich. Why do you even pay attention? Aren't these the people taking you to court? These are the people driving you into poverty. So he is almost anti-wealth and pro-poverty. Not because he's against money and thinks no one should have anything. Not because he's an ascetic. James was not an ascetic. James, Jesus was not an ascetic, meaning we're not going to have nice things. That, that's not Christian. We're not going to have nice things. But when you go into the world, the world is going to take what you've got and drive you, and the elite are going to embrace the world and seek after the riches, and that's the tendency is the wealthy, the elite become are the unbelievers who are after the world's wealth, and they are opposed to those who are going after Christ. And so it's, it's an overstatement. It's a generalization because he, even in the book of James, you've got a verse where when the wealthy come into the church, I mean, when the wealthy man comes, it's called the man with the gold finger or the gold, the gold ring, the you know, golden finger. When he comes into the church, they say, oh, here, sit up front. And he says, no, don't do that. These are the very pe- this, is the type, this is the type of thinking that gets you in trouble. Oh, we want wealth. So do these people. You start going after wealth, you're going to deny Christ. You can't see wealth. Wealth has to be 
of yeah we use wealth we need wealth we need money that yeah, that's another level but you cannot be recognized that that this is our criteria because once you do that you're abandoning anyway it's just interesting that's going to be a theme is the poor and the wealthy and this is right here the the advice from uh peter and james and john was keep remembering the poor and you can follow up on this does paul remember the poor he goes off in his gentile ministry and we've already talked about this many years ago but at every church the galatian church the corinthian church he does what he begins to set up a fund of collecting money to be taken down to the jerusalem saints not just not the poor in jerusalem the poor christians in jerusalem not that you shouldn't take care of the poor as a whole the theme here is the church is being driven out of society because of their faith in christ in jerusalem and so they are poor the gentiles paul's taken the gospel the the jewish gospel the jewish messiah to the gentiles and all you gotta do is receive him and you're in okay now understand there's people where this came from that are suffering they don't have businesses like you do they do not have homes like you do but they're they're the groundwork and we would like to pay some respect and so they would collect money and a huge delegation that's what in 56 7 a.d a huge delegation goes down and that's recorded in the book of acts also and they present it to the church to give to the poor and the poor would there most likely be identified as uh the uh the believers and that's verse 12 right there okay chapter verse chapter 2 verse 7 when peter came to antioch now here's an, here's another account when peter came to antioch i opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong now this is how slippery this is before certain men came from james he used to eat with the gentiles there is a mention of james in the antioch church they 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 had come they'd embraced paul's teaching faith in christ there were some jews they were the ones that started the church and gentiles joined them but they began to understand it's not the law of moses it's faith in christ and so the gentiles came and everyone's eating together just like peter did at cornelius's house see peter at cornelius house got called into the jerusalem church on the carpet in front of the board says what are you doing in a gentile's house i mean you're in a gentile's house eating with the gentiles and you preach the god it's well you didn't even get him circumcised there's so many things you did wrong peter peace what 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 while i was preaching this is going back before going back to like 35 a.d he says while i was presenting the gospel first of all uh an angel appeared to cornelius sent men down to get me and i came up and i preached the gospel and while i'm presenting the gospel i didn't get through it. the spirit came on them just like it did on us they go say that again i'm telling you i i was just presenting what jesus told us to present and and they started speaking in tongues and prophesying they go oh well this changed i mean they're they're learning they're, they're like well then now this was peter so then peter gets called in and they accept him and they accept peter had to get approved by and who's approving who's approving peter who are the elders in jerusalem approving peter it's like what john john's a young guy james james is dead it's like well not yet i mean james the john's brother it it would be james jesus brother would be probably at that point too already risen a place of approving and they accept it now it says in chapter 2 of galatians when peter came to antioch so paul's already in antioch syria peter comes well actually paul is coming back from a missionary trip and peter's already there i oppose him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong before certain men came from james peter used to eat with the gentiles meaning he was not following the law which would make sense that's what he did at cornelius's house and that's what he got approval from the jerusalem church and now he's in antioch he's doing the same thing gentile jew there's no difference but some men from james's church now that doesn't mean again see ah james sent them up there to straighten things out well that'd be like well someone from galen's bible study said it's like well, well wait what did you say it's like don't say just don't throw my name in there and that could be the same thing now james could have sent them up there say get that legalistic get that church legalistic get them following the torah or they could have been from jerusalem part of his church and they went up and they hadn't really broken loose of some of the jewish traditions before certain men came from james he used to eat with the gentiles but when they arrived he began to draw back and separate himself from the gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group so now you've got two groups 
you've got those of James's church, but within James's church, there are those who belong to the circumcision group. Just like you've got a Baptist church, some of them believe in a, a predestination, and some of them believe in free will, that you make a choice. They're Baptists, but some from the Calvinistic group said to those in the free, it's the same church, they've just got different groups. Potentially, that's the way of looking at this. The but Paul identifies them at the, as the circumcision group. So it wasn't James's church, it was the circumcision group from James. It was those who were still following law, which the book of Hebrews was written against. The whole book of Hebrews was written against the circumcision group. Get out of the circumcision group and get over here the new covenant. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, which is so easy. That's like, what, why did they do that? Because it makes complete sense to them. I mean, you've got to, you've got to renew your mind, and they have. But now someone comes up and says, well, no, no, here's the better way. It's like, well, it's, well I've kind of always thought that. And it'd be easy to go back. So the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Oh, I mean, now, you remember who I said potentially wrote the book of Hebrews? Barnabas. And now you can see why the man's on fire. We've got a better covenant. We've got better promises. We've got a better priest. It's like, stop going back. What's wrong with you? It's like, well, you hypocrite. I know, because I did the same thing. He, he, it's like, you know, you can preach the strongest about the things that you've been in. And that's, I, again, I'm making a connection. It's not, that's not a direct connection, but it, it would sure make sense, wouldn't it? Even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, and then he talks about reprimanding Peter and goes through like that. So that is coming off of, uh, out of Galatians, out of some of these events that are taking place here in Acts. And now we're going to go to Acts chapter 12, verse 17. We're what we're doing is we're trying to see James, the author of this book, so he's not just this, you know, James was the Lord's brother. It's like, he's a power player. I mean, even Paul had to go get permission from him. Peter got called in, and someone gave Peter approval for what he did at Cornelius' house. Uh, there's people coming out of his church influencing Syrian churches. I mean, they had to use the calling card. Yes, we're from James's church, and here's how we do it in Jerusalem. That it, it, it's like, did, did James send them? Potentially, I don't think so, because that would undermine all the agreement we've seen with him and Paul all the way through. In fact, the book of Galatians begins, Paul saying, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. Well, then why would they James send men up here? Did he change his mind? Uh, and again, we could assume that James may have had some, you know, growth going on to going back and forth and struggling. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Again, we're rushing through this. This is, uh, this is in 44 AD. Uh, this would be right around the time Herod Agrippa dies. We're talking 1217. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, uh, James gets killed. James, uh, John's brother, gets killed. And then uh, chapter 12, verse 1, because Herod, this, this says King Herod. Now, again, the people that don't know the Bible, King Herod, it's like, oh, that's the one who killed all the babies in Bethlehem. Now, this would be Herod Agrippa I. There's going to be Herod Agrippa II. And these were sons of Herod the Great. So it's like, this is, you know, and grandsons of Herod the Great. So anyway, it just says King Herod. Uh, he, he put Peter in prison. He's going to have Peter executed, but he's going to wait until a feast day. So have a big little ceremony, you know, all the Jews. Because he wanted the Jews to like him. The, the Herods wanted the Jews to like them. And then Peter gets let out of prison by the angel. That's what's taking place right here. Chapter uh, uh, 12, verse 15. Uh, oh, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to verse 12. When, when this had dawned on him, that the angel had set him free, he went to the house of, this is just flat out interesting, especially from Monday night Bible study. When he gets out of prison, the angel lets him out and says, go. Uh, and uh, tells him to put on his coat, which was kind of important also. When, meaning, the, Peter's going to live until he has to stretch out his arm and someone else puts his coat on. Remember that word that at the end of the book of John? John uh, Jesus tells uh, Peter, he says, you know, you're, you're going to live until, you know, you're so old that you have to stretch out your arm and someone's put your coat on for you. And then, then, then right away in the book of John, then J Peter asks, you know, about, well, what about him? What about John? How long is he going to live? He says, it doesn't matter. He says, if I want him to live until I come. It, doesn't, it has nothing to do with our conversation, Peter. 
And that's how the book of John ends right there. Well, anyway, in this, when he gets out, you look in verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did. So wrap your cloak around you and follow me. In other words, put your own coat on. It's not your day to die. Put your own coat on. You're going to die later when you can't put it on, if, if that's a connection. Anyway, he's out of prison. Chapter 12, uh, 12, verse 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. That's probably the upper room. That's probably where the church meets, probably where they had the Last Supper. It's in the elite part of Jerusalem. So these people were wealthy. Barnabas was John Mark's cousin, which means Barnabas was wealthy. He sold a field and gave the money to the church. So we're not against wealthy people. It's just that wealth has a tendency to take your eye off the ball and not see. Anyway, uh, where many people had gathered and were praying. They're praying for Peter. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, meaning there'd be not be a front door, there'd be an outer entrance into the, get into the foyer, into the courtyard, and then into the house. A servant girl named Rhoda, there's a servant girl working in John Mark's house for his mother Mary, came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, so she was familiar with Peter, she'd seen him before, she recognized his voice, so there's a good chance she's a believer. She was so overjoyed, well, obviously, so she's a believer, she ran back without opening, opening the door and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Okay, this is just one of those ironic stories of the Bible, or fun stories. The, the church is meeting at John Mark's mother's house, Mary's house, and they're praying. They're praying for Peter. The angel releases Peter. Peter knocks on the door. Rhoda hears him, goes, it's Peter. She runs back into the prayer meeting, interrupts them praying, and says, uh, Peter's at the door. They stop praying just long enough to say, you're out of your mind. That's what we're praying for. <laughs> that doesn't end there. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they says, it must be his angel. Okay, okay, so he is at the door. It's not Peter. He probably got killed early. It's his angel. Now, there's some bad theology right there. It must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking at the door. Now, it's, it's, I mean, this is just funny. This is, this is like a Saturday night skit right here, if you act this out. Oh, the holy church praying, and the, the apostles delivered by an angel, and they've got, they don't believe their prayer. They're bad, mad they got interrupted. They think it's an angel that Peter got killed, or I mean, they got bad doctrine. They got bad prayer, bad faith. It's like, it's, it's just funny. Peter, okay, but Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. It's like, what are you doing here? Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Now, here's the whole point of reading this. Then he says, tell James and the brothers about this, he said to them, and he left for another place. He leaves and goes back somewhere to hide where no one knows where he's at. Or I assume he went to another place, maybe went home. Uh, but notice what he says, tell James. So James wasn't at that prayer meeting at Mary's house, but he tells the church, and they're supposed to tell the upper people, which would be James. So right there early in the church, James is already a leader, and Peter, the apostle, reports back to the church with instructions Tell the boss, if we can read it that way. You know, say, tell James. Maybe it's just tell James he'll be interested to know. But it, it seems like when you see James popping up, he's, he's like the head of the church. And that's how church history records it. That's Acts 12. Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 13. Um, and again, this, this can go on for quite a while. This is when uh, chapter 15, verse 1. This is exactly what we saw in Galatians. This is what Paul was referring to in Galatians. Chapter 15 of Acts, verse 1. Uh, some men came down from Judea, from James's church. It doesn't say it, but that's what it is. To Antioch, that's Paul's church and Barnabas's church, where Peter is at. And were teaching the brothers. They were teaching. They came in as teachers from Jerusalem. And here's what they were teaching. It tells you right here. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So that is now luke recording what paul was referring to when he wrote the book of galatians this brought paul and barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them after paul got barnabas back on the right page so paul and barnabas were appointed along with some of the others believers to go up to jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question so they've got to go report to headquarters you're disagreeing with this and there is both of them have ground to stand on because remember 
those that are preaching this are of the circumcision group and they are members of James's church in Jerusalem or one of the churches he oversees. Paul says, not right, that's not good. So now you've got two opinions. Is it, is it Calvinism or is it Armenianism, for example? It's like, well, let's go to the church and let's find out about it. And that, that issue's come up in church history also. I mean, at church councils. Um, go to Jerusalem to see the apostles. The church sent them on their way as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. They told how the Gentiles had been converted. So they're going from Phoenicia, go from Syria down to Phoenicia into Samaria, then on into Judea. Uh, This news made all the brothers very glad. So there's churches scattered all the way down from Antioch, going all the way down through Syria, down through Lebanon or Phoenicia, down through Samaria, all the way to Jerusalem. They're they're stopping at churches on their way, saying Gentiles are coming to the faith. Gentiles are, and Paul's preaching his gospel. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders. Now again, James is a member of that. His name hasn't come up yet. But when it comes time to summarize the council meeting and write the letter, James summarizes everything that's been said. It's almost like James is sitting at the head table listening to the debate, listening to everybody, and then it's like, okay, it's time for a decision. And then he sums up, and then he, then he, he pens the letter. So again, somehow you've got you to see, you don't have to agree with me, but James is going to come into this. He hasn't been mentioned yet. Apostle and elders to whom they reported everything God had done to, uh, through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, now I would assume this is the circumcision group. And if anyone understands Pharisees, the Apostle Paul does, because he's a Pharisee. But he's not of the circumcision group. And they said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Now again, when it says obey the law of Moses, they're talking ritual. When you talk about the spirit of the law of Moses, do justice, be merciful, seek good. I mean, that's, that's what the prophets called the people to, not do more sacrificing. In fact, the people are doing sacrificing and not doing this social justice part. Um, in fact, that's what the book of James is going to be about. It's going to be about, you know, you say you've got faith. Let's see some stuff. I mean, it's almost, it's almost you've got the law of Moses, Okay, but you better be doing the things that, that matter, the, 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 the spirit of the law. Well, these people, we've got faith in Christ. Okay, still, James would say, you need to be doing the spirit of Christ. You need to be doing the things like Christ. What has Christ called you to do? And you can imagine how many people in Jerusalem were way before Paul had placed faith in Christ on the day of Pentecost. Thousands. And the church continued to grow. They came to faith in Christ. Way before Paul. In fact, Paul's killing them. And they came to faith in Christ. And it's like, are you a believer? I am a believer. I, can't, I accepted Christ. I accepted the Messiah. So you've already got this, I'm in. I've, I've joined the church because I've accepted Jesus as Messiah. James, right away, early on, maybe 43, 44 AD, he's already got problems in the church of people who are you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I have faith. It's like, if you don't have deeds, I, I, he said, I, you, you say you've got faith, show me your deeds. I'll show you my faith by what I do. You know I've got faith. Look at what I'm doing. You just got faith, but you look just like the wealthy. You look just like the pagan. You look just like the unbelievers. It's like, same thing. Why? Well, I, I go to the temple. I offer all these sacrifices. The prophets, yeah, but you, your life doesn't reflect God, you, but you do all the rituals. You can, so that he's putting, in a sense, the rituals and faith in the same camp and demanding the same exact thing from those who obey the law and those who have faith is, let's see some works right here. And that's, I mean, that's James. Okay, so here they say obey the law. Verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 6. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. See, the apostles and elders met. They hear the both arguments. They've heard that argument. They meet to ask the question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, this is Cornelius' house, had the sheep let down with the animals, the unclean animals. God made a choice among you and the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. He says, I remember when I was in here for this very same issue, and I had apparently made the same mistake, but God approved of it, and you approved of it. 
God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving, them the, Holy, giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he had did to us. And he already had said this earlier. He made no distinction between us and them, meaning us who obey the law and are circumcised, and those who don't. Not again, not that they're in violation of what we'd say social ethics, that would be Christian. For he purified their hearts by faith, not by the law, but by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Where's your proof of that, Peter? Read the prophets. The, the, the whole Old Testament was about, you're not doing it. Now we're going to say, well, we're demand the Gentiles do it. You guys, Jews, needed a Savior because you couldn't keep the law. Now that you've got a Savior, well, now the Gentiles have to keep the law. Well, that don't even make sense. If you had a law and you needed a Savior to deliver you from it, don't even give them the law. Just give them the Savior. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. So now you've got Peter, you've got Paul and Barnabas all saying the same thing. When they finished, watch, when they finished, here comes James. James spoke up. Now, meaning, okay, it looks like you guys all agree over here. It looks like you guys have lost. I'm going to give you the final score. James like, okay, the votes are all in. Here's the decision. James speaks up. Uh, brothers, now listen to this letter. I've got notes on here. Here, let's do this real quick. This is a fairly sloppy job of teaching. Oh, you don't have notes, do you? Oh, no. Um, I, I can't even find it here. But there's, I'll show you. There it is. It's on page, uh, yeah, page three, if you're on the notes. Page three, it's point F. Uh, you don't have them on last week's notes. Uh, how many correlations? Right here. I'll read it very quickly. One through seven. The greeting in Acts 15 is the same as James 1. The use of the word name in connection with the word call is in Acts and James. Similarly, the believers are encouraged to honor the name. Uh, To use the phrase, listen my brothers, is used both times. Both letters speak of the need to keep oneself from sin. And care for in Acts and James, and turning in Acts and James. And again, this is a very short letter. I mean, look, it's going to be just a few verses, but it's got seven major connections to the book of James of the same terminology. Sometimes, like, for example, the word that is used, uh, greetings, is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's used three times once here, once in James, and once one other place. So here it is. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to you how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. And he quotes scripture. After this, I'll return and rebuild David's fallen tent. And this is in meaning before David's fallen tent can be restored. And this is before Jerusalem was burnt in 70 AD. They're already looking saying, we're not there yet. We need David's royalty. The tent of David, the house of David needs to be restored. But before that can happen, the prophets say, (coughs) we've got to go to the Gentiles. (coughs) After this, I'll return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. Then that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things that have been known for for all ages. So basically, James is saying, gentlemen, (coughs) if we're going to have end times, if we're going to see eschatology, if we're going to see the restoration of the throne of David, and Jerusalem back in the place that God intends, we've we got to go to the Gentiles first. God is not going to restore David's tent until the gospel goes to the Gentiles because the Gentiles are going to come. That's his whole point. It is my judgment. See, now this is, this is James, verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, <coughs> telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality and from meat of strangled animals and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Now, what he says right there is they're saved by faith, but we're going to give them a, a request, a warning. And again, we've got to decide what this is. It's not a law. It's since 
the law of Moses has been read in every city from the early days. So the Jews have been dispersed for centuries. And there's meaning either the Gentiles know the law of Moses, so they're going to have to follow a little bit of it, which I don't think that's the point. Or there's Jews in all these cities. And you go to a Gentile city and preach the gospel, there's going to be a Jew there that's going to want to listen and join. But the Jews have been following certain laws forever. And there's certain things that are just obnoxious to the Jews. There's certain things, cultural things that they, they just can't put up with. And so here, and again, or these are just, uh, either these are just moral laws, that these are universal laws. And you've got to decide, are these universal laws that every man should know? Or because Moses has been read in all these cities for ages, there's Jews there that are going to want to join, but they're not going to join and follow the Messiah if you've got a bunch of Gentiles sitting around eating blood pudding at the potlucks. And here it is. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols. Now, Paul's going to say something different than that in Corinthians. From sexual immorality. Okay, that would make sense. From meat of strangled animals and from blood. Again, blood meaning blood for food. For Moses has been preached in every city since the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So that is James's letter. So James summarizes writes the letter and here it is then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to antioch with paul and barnabas they chose judas and silas two men who were leaders among the brothers uh, with them they sent the following letter and here's here's that letter that has got so many characteristics and look how it's it's from verse uh what is it verse 23 to verse 29 and there's at least seven similarities, all identical to the book of James. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Now, we don't know where the book of James begins to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Where's that at? I would suggest the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. I would suggest James is writing to the Jewish believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. I mean, that's a suggestion, because that's, that's where his, his, the Jews have gone there. That's his focus. They're his people. He's already seen that his they got church members going back and forth. So I would suggest that would be, that would fit. Especially when you consider things in the book of James, like uh, he talks about early and latter rains. He uses I- illustrations that don't make sense in Rome. They don't make sense in Greece. They don't make sense in Egypt. They only make sense in Israel and that eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So he's writing to people. When he uses illustrations, it's like, ah, we've seen that before. You could say that to Rome. Even us, we read, we, it's like, what? Early and latter range, you've got to like research. What does that mean? Because it doesn't mean what, what we would think. Okay, now here's one of the first ones. He says, greetings. That's exactly how he begins the book of James. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization. There you have it. Men came from James's church, men of the circumcision group. Well, they went out without authorization and disturbed you troubling your minds by what they said so we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends barnabas and paul our dear friends and that's intentional you know how you write an intentional letter with paul and barnabas these are not just paul and barnabas these are our dear friends paul and barnabas there are some men that went out that are not our friends they did not have our authority we don't agree with them we don't like them but here is a message from paul and barnabas these are our friends. So you got the circumcision group, or you've got Paul and Barnabas. And James's letter right here is saying, they didn't have my authority. They are not my friends. Paul and Barnabas, oh, good friends. Had him over a house last week. I added that. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a word of name. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. So he's writing in a letter, I approve of these guys. If you don't trust my letter, you thought, oh, it's a forgery. Well, here's two men. Silas and Judas are there saying, yeah, this is from James. We are from James's church. We were sent out with authorization. Here's my paper. See, James signed it. To confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, 
and from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The men sent, were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. <coughs> and they continued to travel and kind of spread that message up into the churches of Galatians. That's where the letter of Galatians, that's Paul's letter to the church. Before he could get there with James's letter, he sends out a mass letter saying, here's what's taking place. And then they would have followed up with James's letter and the approval of those things. Okay. Um, uh, I got things I wanted to do yet today. And I also have here where we ended up, do we want to try it? We're not going to try it. Okay. <laughs> We've got eternity until Jesus comes back. Because I've got some pictures I want to show you. Uh, uh, the pictures have to wait. Uh, we will quit with this. That we got through, again, a good part of, of James. I've been wanting to do that part. There's so many things I want to... Uh, before we read the book, I want to introduce and explore so we can go, you know, really enjoy the book. Uh, but anyway, that's a good part of it. You, you feel good about James. I mean, it's like, you know, he's not just Jesus' brother. You got a question? I think, so when did he come back? When did he come back? 62 A.D. And that's, he was pushed off the, the uh, good, go for it, Tony. You're, you're, you're not going to do it? Right here. In 62 A.D., uh, you got the pictures. Uh, you asked the magic question. Uh, we'll look at this again. In, and I've got two accounts of it. I've got, uh, they're in the notes right there. And, uh, okay, cancel. Uh, James was taken to a high place of the temple. And it wouldn't, wouldn't have been over here, because these are in the Kidron Valley. This is up north. This is where the tr- priest would stand on the trumpeting stone and proclaim. Because the, cr- the elite part of the city was on this side. They would come over here. There's entrances. There's like several. There's uh, Robinson's Arch. There's uh, Barclay's Gate. There's Warren's Arch, Wilson's Arch, or Entry Gateway. So people would come to the temple from this area. Plus, they'd come up the double gates. There's stairs here yet to see. they come in the triple gates. So the main entrance would come in from this area. So the trumpeting stone would stand here, and the priest would proclaim. They took James. Again, I, there's much. We've got to talk more about this. But anyway, James was taken up there, right here it is, There's, that's it today, then that's the top up there, it's been rebuilt, this would be original stones right here, this has been rebuilt, but this right here is Robinson's Arch is still right here, this is still original stone right here of Robinson's Arch, came down, there's some shops right here, you come out this arch and come down a stairway, and under the stairway were, were shops, and then there'd be a pavement right here, a, a road right here, and James was pushed from right here, he stood on the trumpeting stone where the priest would play, make announcement with their trumpet and he is supposed to proclaim to the crowd that jesus isn't the christ and instead he says he is the christ he's with god in glory and he's coming soon uh and they pushed him ah, and he didn't die so they started stoning him and finally a guy that had a club that used to wash clothes and beat clothes in the washer just threw the club and hit him in the head because he was just in miserable shape this is it this is it right here this is that same this is a model and you see Tony right here, the little dot. Tony's sitting here. See, there's the street. There's Robinson's Arch rebuilt. There's shops right there. And I've got a little dot. Tony sitting right here. See how close she was to James's death right there? Boom. There's Tony sitting right there in front of the shops. That's the sidewalk. This is all the Roman destruction that they pushed over. This is the dungeons they pushed over. That's 70 AD destruction. This original stone's going up to about here. Well, up to here, you see. And that's the stones. And they couldn't push anything over from there because that was dirt. James was pushed from up here and fell off on that side. There it is again. Okay, there's the trumpeting stone. There's the inscription in Hebrew. Right here, place of the trumpeter. You read it this way, the place of the trumpeter. You see, there's a, it's a railing. So you didn't oh, fall over the edge, but they'd step up here. And there it is right there. You can see the corner right there. There'd be one going this way, one going this. is the corner. They'd stand here and make their, you know, play their trumpet and make their announcement. James apparently was standing here where they made public announcements, and they just pushed them over the railing. And there it is again. It would have been up here. Again, this is original up to about here. And then this has been rebuilt. Uh, and so he would have been about this high as he fell. And there it is again. The modelers, the shops. There's Robinson's Arch. So you can still see these stones of Robinson's Arch. And then the stairway. These, you can still see these shops. So it was 62 A.D., and that's recorded by uh, church history. Uh, I do have, uh, on, on the notes, I have Josephus recording, and it gives, it gives all the detail. 
Josephus, if you want to, which is amazing. Just, oh, we've been reading scripture. This is Josephus' account right here. He goes, And now Caesar, on hearing of the death of Festus, sent Elbius into Judea, so who's going to be the leader? When after there's a high priest, Annas, who's replaced by another Annas, who was his son. Annas was of the disposition. He thought he had n- now a proper opportunity because all these other governors had died and had been replaced. He's now the, uh, you know, the power guy. Annas decided the opportunity to exercise his authority. Festus was now dead, and Elbius was but up on the road. So Annas, so he assembled the Sanhedrin of the judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ, whose name was James, and some others, for some of his companions. And when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. But as for those who seemed the most equitable of the citizens, and such as were the most uneasy at the breach of the laws, they disliked what was done. So there's some that says this wasn't right. But he took them and they, they had them stoned. And so, again, pushed, stoned, and clubbed. And then there's a greater detailed account uh, back here in the notes right here of church history written right there. If someone that was in Israel, uh, uh, the next generation records that right there. Uh, You've got to be careful because in the, in by, by uh, 140 A.D., there's a group called the Ebionites. Ebionites, they uh, were a group of jews that held to the law yet 140 they were believers but held to the law but they took james and they began to build on the idea that james the just james the righteous that he was very obedient they just gave the credit to the law and made him they created the image that he was a very uh legalistic jew which you can see in the text of scripture he was he was very obedient very concerned about the poor uh, very observant in the sense of socially, we got to do these things right. But he wasn't a ritualistic Jew in the legalistic sense. The Ebionites, and so you're going to get, by the time they all blend into church history, you have this vein of James being very legalistic, never broke the law. Uh, but then that denies scriptures. But you can, see, you can see where it comes from. It comes from a group of Jews. Well, the circumcision group that just formed their own, they just broke away. Just like... Uh, you know, the Baptists break away from the Lutherans. They had the James's church, and the uncircumcision group eventually just broke away and formed the Ebionites and their own group of Christians. Okay, I'll pray, and we're done. Ha, i got to show you my pictures. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we, again, may consider them in our own lives, that we would be obedient servants of yours, that we would hear your words, that we would understand that you have a plan in history, that you're working in our lives just as you were in the life of James and Paul and Peter. And we ask that we, again, would respond faithfully, that we would respond with confidence, and that we would do the things you've called us to. We ask that we would rise up and have the character of Jesus Christ in this, this nation at this time in history. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here.